Hello, my friends. Today, I take you through two nearly identical tweets by Andrew Shearer and Justin Trudeau. You could seriously swap them out and you wouldn't know the difference. Why is that? Well, I try and get to the bottom of it today. Uh, before I do, can you do me a favor and consider becoming a premium subscriber? It's eight bucks a month. And you get the video version of the podcast, which I like to think is valuable. We put a lot of effort into it, and we put a lot of visual images, so you don't just have to look at me and my handsomeness. If you want to be a premium subscriber, it's eight bucks a month at premium.rebelnews.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Justin Trudeau and Andrew Scheer published nearly identical tweets. That's always a bad sign. I'll show you what they're talking about. It's October 10th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Did you see this tweet from Andrew Scheer? This is sad news. Threats of violence and intimidation are absolutely unacceptable in Canada. And as you can see, he's retweeted a comment by a CBC reporter named Suresh Das. I'll read that comment in a moment, but it's pretty much identical, Andrew Scheer's tweet, to this tweet from Justin Trudeau, written just about an hour earlier. Trudeau said, Hatred and threats of violence have no place in Canada. We are always stronger together than when we're divided. So let me read what was in the tweet from the CBC that both leaders retweeted. It was an image from the Instagram page of a Syrian restaurant called Sufis. I'll read it in full. Permanently closed. As a result of numerous hate messages and death threats we've received over the past week, we've decided to permanently close our shop. Our decision is made with a heavy heart and effort to, remain to maintain our family and staff's safety. We would like to thank our lovely customers and Queen Street neighbors for their wonderful support over the past two years. We'd also like to extend our love and appreciation to our wonderful staff who have invariably embodied the hard work, dedication, passion, and graciousness of Syrian newcomers. Since we opened up Sufis in 2017, we have been met with nothing but curiosity, respect, acceptance, and love from the people of Toronto, and for that we are eternally grateful. We will cherish the countless memories of us sharing stories, food, um, and music and laughter with love, the Al-Sufi family. That sounds pretty bad. What happened to them? Did like some street gang come by and threaten to smash up their shop? Hmm. I wonder what this is really about. I, I mean, besides Trudeau and Andrew Scheer, two politicians virtue signaling, this message, I mean, from the restaurant, it sounds bad, but it also sounds like no one was hurt. It actually sounds like no one actually did anything other than maybe say some mean things. They said death threat. Threats are a real thing, but it sounds like there was no actual incident, no attack, no property damage, no, no assault, not even a shout or a shove. From, from what I read to you above, it sounds like maybe a mean comment on Facebook. But they did say death threats, so that sounds very serious. Okay, what, what do reporters have to say about this? Well, if you Google Sufi's restaurant, you find this video made by a propaganda outlet called Chatelaine. Now, Chatelaine used to be a women's magazine, 
but it's really just a Liberal Party repeater. Now, I want to show you this before I get to the news reports, because I want to show you what a lovely couple the Al-Sufis are. My name is Hussam Al-Sufi, my wife is Jana. We're here in a Sufi's restaurant, the Queen Street West. To know a culture you, from their food, you just need an appetite, an open mind, and you will understand everything about this culture. When we came to Canada, we said, we're going to serve the authentic Syrian food only, and this is what we are doing. I'm a civil engineer, originally. We, uh, we went to Saudi Arabia since 1995. We stayed there for like 20 20-something years. I study uh, fine art in Syria, then I go to Saudi Arabia and uh, work uh, with the handicapped and special education kids. Three years ago we decided it's enough for us that we have to have a new home now because of the unfortunate event that took place in Syria. So we were looking for a new home to, to hold us and we couldn't find better than Canada to come. We're starting our new life. So you can see a few things. First of all, they say they're Syrian. And that's true if you mean where they were born. But they left Syria, I think they said in 1995. That's 24 years ago. And they moved to Saudi Arabia. So they're about as Syrian as I am. They're not Syrian refugees. They're not fleeing Syria. They left Syria 24 years ago. The civil war there didn't start until five years ago. But I like them, don't you? They're very modern, aren't they? The woman doesn't wear a hijab, and it looks like she never has. She's edu educated, modern. I, I wish more of Arabia was like this. I guess she had to wear a full niqab in Saudi Arabia, so she probably likes being in Canada a lot more. But I like them. And I can see why they're popular, not just in real life, which I assume they are, but to the liberal media. Because they speak great English. They're very presentable. In other words, they're useful for propaganda because that's not actually how most Syrian migrants to Canada are. Most Syrian migrants to Canada over the last five years don't speak English or French. They don't have any job schools. They, they're not successful. I like these folks, by the way. Who on earth would ever raise a word, let alone a death threat, against them? Well, here's the CBC state broadcaster to explain what happened. Toronto restaurant closes after death threats arise from relatives' involvement in Bernier protest. Heartbroken family behind Sufis says restaurant is shutting down for good. <laughs> Let me read a bit. A Syrian family says it is shutting down its Toronto restaurant after receiving death threats a week after a relative was involved in a protest at a Maxime Bernier speaking event in Hamilton where a senior was blocked from entering. And then they quote a little bit of that letter on Instagram that I read to you. And then they say... The family also released some of the racist and violent messages they have received. You're going back in a box, read part of one message. Keep it up and your family and those who defend your family's terrorist actions will suffer immensely, reads another. Well, in case you need me to say it, I absolutely oppose death threats against anyone. I should tell you, I'm not a criminal lawyer, but these comments probably don't rise to the level necessary for a police prosecution. They, they lack the immediacy and specificity and credibility to meet the test beyond a reasonable doubt of a criminal death threat. But look, I oppose them anyways, even if they're not crimes. I get death threats from time to time too, usually in comments online. Very rarely do I report them to police because most of the time it's obviously just trash talk. It's not imminent or real. 
But I'm against death threats, even those that don't quite rise to the criminal standard, whether against me or some restaurateurs. But what exactly is the CBC hinting at here? Or actually not hinting at? What are they obscuring? Let me read part uh, again to you. I, I, we, we sure saw the words Maxime Bernier loud in the headline. Did Maxime Bernier make the death threat? I don't know. The CBC almost wants you to think so, putting his name in the headline. Is that really the headline here? Let me read one line from the story again to you. A relative was involved in a protest at a Maxime Bernier speaking event in Hamilton where a senior was blocked from entering. Okay, so a relative. You mean the son of that mom and dad who works there? I guess a son is a relative. Uh, they're talking about this guy. You learn who has tempers, who doesn't. <laughs> who has a temper? Uh, I'm not going to complain like, uh, about my brother like he complained about me. <laughs> so that's the relative, the, the son who works there. I, I wonder why the CBC's dancing around that relative. Now, what did the CBC mean by that relative was involved in a protest? What was his involvement? Let me read that line again. Some protesters attempted to prevent people from entering the building, and one video, which was widely shared among Bernier supporters, shows several protesters blocking the path of 81-year-old Dorothy Martson and her husband. They were in a lineup and treating me like I'm a criminal, she said during an earlier interview. So that's how the CBC describes what happened that fateful day. Someone blocked this little old lady's path. No big deal, right? All right, well, here's the video. Would you describe this as blocking the path? No, that's not blocking the path. That's screaming at an 81-year-old woman that she's a Nazi, screaming and blocking the path. There's no path. She was being blocked. Did you see that foot, the screamer there? And some thug wearing a mask, terrorist style. By the way, this wasn't just shared amongst Bernier supporters. As you can see, it was seen millions of times, but not on the CBC. I want to read that passage again. Some protesters attempted to prevent people from entering the building, and one video, which was widely shared among Bernier supporters, shows several protesters blocking the path of 81-year-old Dorothy Marson. Really? Watch that one more time. Physically blocking an 81-year-old woman, blocking her walker, screaming at her that she's a Nazi, a thug wearing a mask. Did the CBC really tell you the truth there? The son of that Syrian couple, an employee of the restaurant, was wearing a mask. Now, we know that. We know it was him because he's stupider than your average Antifa. They usually dress all in black. It's a tactic called the black block because that means it's harder to ID someone later. 
But you can see it's the same guy. It's the son. He wears that same orange shirt a lot. You can see his tattoo on his arm. Same guy. It's the son of that lovely couple. His name is Allah. If there's some thuggish riot around Toronto, he's there. He, he's there. He's on the streets. He's, he's at that fight in a mall. Whatever. Allah al-Sufi is there. He's a rioter. He's with Antifa. He's literally wearing a mask as his colleagues screamed Nazi at a little old lady. Now, let me read a bit more from the liars at the CBC State Broadcaster who are obscuring, not revealing. The family also said their son was doxxed, meaning his personal information was released online with malicious intent and physically assaulted. Our family and business do not condone acts of hate, violence, or harassment in any shape or form, the statement said. We want to restate that we are not affiliated with any political group or organization or either side of the political spectrum. We simply believe in kindness, peace, and understanding between all people. Now, I think that's probably true of those two lovely parents. The couple from Saudi Arabia who look normal and productive members of society. They don't look radical. They certainly don't look Islamist. The mom is clearly a liberated woman. They're not Syrian in any real way other than they left that place 24 years ago. I'm not sure why they keep being described as Syrian refugees when they haven't been there since 1995. We don't recognize people from Saudi Arabia as refugees, and that's where the family came from. They were actually quite rich in Saudi Arabia. But I think maybe this couple does a little bit of fibbing too. I think they're downplaying the thuggery of their son. I think they're lying about him a little bit. I find it hard to believe that they don't know what he's doing with his spare time because he keeps doing it, doesn't he? And he's not shy about cameras, is he? I mean, maybe he takes a few shifts at the restaurant in between, but protesting against Canada, hating Canada, seems to be his real job. I wonder why he hates Canada so much, why he protests against us, why he wears a mask, why he gets into fights, why he gets into riots, why he participates in the bullying of an 81-year-old woman. You'd think he'd be down on his knees every day thanking Allah for bringing him out of Syria and out of Saudi Arabia, two of the worst countries in the world, where protesting is illegal, by the way, and bringing him here to our great country. Instead, he clearly hates us, going by what he does. I don't know how his parents can be so nice and he be so foul, but the fact that they've hidden his true nature makes me doubt that they really did get the death threats they claim because the other things they're saying don't quite check out. I noticed in another news report that was not written by Trudeau CBC, do you see that here? The police say that the family didn't actually file a police report. Hmm, that's weird. Um, if I had a death threat, I'd be calling the police immediately, not the press, not Instagram. I have had death threats. I did call police immediately. Wouldn't wouldn't you, if they were a real death threat, they still haven't called police, but they called the CBC. Look, I don't know. Maybe the restaurant was having a tough time commercially, and this was just a good occasion to pull the plug on it. Maybe they did have some threats against their bigoted son. Could be. I don't know. But you know one thing that's for sure. You'd never know the truth about this if you relied on the media, would you? Certainly not the Trudeau media at the CBC. We know Trudeau's game. He still has that hijab hoax tweet on his timeline, the one where he virtue signaled about that 11-year-old girl who claimed that her hijab was cut by a Chinese man on the street. It turned out to be a big lie. It was a worse uh, lie than even the Jussie Smollett hoax. Trudeau still has that tweet up after the hoax was revealed. She was a liar but she served Trudeau's purpose and still does, really. So we know Trudeau's angle here, and we know the CBC's angle here. 
But what's Andrew Scheer's excuse? Almost an identical tweet to Trudeau's. Why? Why is he supporting an Antifa thug? Why is he supporting what could be a hoax? I don't know. If you haven't reported it to police, I'm a bit skeptical. Well, I know why Andrew Scheer's doing this, because the CBC says it's cool. That's what being a conservative leader means, I guess. Cheering for the Antifa Syrian migrant and not his 81-year-old lady victim. (laughs) Good grief. Stay with us for more. Well, there is nothing that Justin Trudeau won't throw money at in this campaign. Uh, One of the most bizarre examples was his $2,000 camping tax credit that he'll pay you two grand to go pitch a tent. I didn't know you needed that kind of dough for that. But the one thing Justin Trudeau is cutting, the one thing I challenge you to name another, is medical care for our armed forces. I know you think I'm making this up because it it is impossible to be true, right? Well, I credit Mercedes Stevenson, who is a reporter with Global, and she's actually pretty well connected to the military uh, and vets and serving military, and she got this scoop, and look at the story. Federal government cuts reimbursements for military healthcare, hospitals on the hook for millions. One last detail. Unlike civilians, the federal government has a special constitutional obligation to cover doctor's visits. So they pay doctors like, oh, I suppose out-of-province insurers would pay you if you pay for your health care if you were in a different province. Justin Trudeau has decided this is the area he will cut of all areas. I, I can't even believe it, but... It's the truth. And joining us now to talk about the shocking truth is our friend Lee Humphrey, who's the founder of James International Security and Veterans for the Conservative Party. Great to see you again, Lee. Good to see you, Ezra. Have I properly summed up this story that basically the feds have one constitutional responsibility, and that is pay for the health care of soldiers? And they said, you know what? That's the one thing we're going to come back on. Is that true? It's absolutely true. And, and, As you alluded to, Mercedes uh, scooped this story, and and she does have a a solid reputation uh, within the veterans and military community for getting it right. I want to quote from her story, if I may, because I want to give the the exact kind of detail that she has here. Um, So, for example, where military bases are, obviously that's where soldiers and their families are. The Kingston Health Services Center, located near the base at Kingston, as well as the Royal Military College, estimates a shortfall of $2.3 million, as in that's what the the doctors charge, but the federal government has just said, yeah, you know what, we're going to pay you $2.3 million less. Pembroke Regional Hospital, located near the Canadian Forces Base at Petawawa, projects a shortfall of $3.4 million. Now, I got to tell you, $2.3 million plus $3.4 million, my math says that's $5.7 million. So that's about half of what Trudeau gave to Omar Khadr. So he gave Omar Khadr $10.5 million, and he's, I guess, taking it out of the hides of soldiers and their families. 
Yeah, there's some personal irony here for me. When I broke my back in a parachuting accident, I was actually medevaced to the uh, initially to the Pembroke uh, Hospital. Uh, so I received my my initial care on the drop zone from Canadian Forces Medics. But you know, I I think your viewers might might like to understand where where this came from, how this came about, and why the military doesn't uh, treat its own soldiers and, and families like you see in the United States. Yeah, I, I, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it. Sure. Har, Harjit Sajan, I mean, I, I don't want to talk, uh, talk about the issue of stolen valor, him taking more credit than is due. Uh, underneath it, I think he, he was a good man. I think, I mean, I've never met him. He was a cop. He was a soldier. He, he seemed to enjoy soldiering. I think Sikhs have a tremendous... Uh, tradition of soldiering. I, I sort of liked the look of him when he became defense minister, and I thought, finally, you got a guy who knows what it's about in that job. I feel like he's been an advocate from the Liberal Party against soldiers, instead of my hope coming true that he would be a true soldier's defense minister. It seems like all he does is give bad news to the troops, and listening to him now, he sounds like Trudeau. Yeah, unfortunately, when, when he was first elected and, and named as defense minister, several of my friends who are uh, senior officers that served with him, that trained with him, that uh, in a couple of cases deployed with him, said, you know, this this is a good guy, give him a chance. Uh, they don't say that anymore. And, and I think you can look at several uh, older liberal uh, cabinet ministers that were seen as yeah, we had differences, but they had principles. They they had a standing with the Canadian public, but they've had to defend Justin Trudeau and his decision-making process, whether it's his, his personal failings or, or whether it's his policy failings. And they've had to give up their principles or, or as a friend told me the other day, they get JWR'd. Um, in, huh. in other words, you mean Jody Wilson-Raybould, she get run, yeah, run out exactly. of the place. I mean, she's now a, a goofy acronym uh, about what happens to you if you stand up against uh, this prime minister. Huh. So, you know, Sajin, uh, putting aside again his embellishment of, of his uh, personal service in, in Afghanistan, he, he gave up the moral authority and Vance joined him. General Vance, the chief of defense staff, joined him. And they have made some of the most ridiculous decisions or supported them uh, in the last couple of years that I've seen coming out, uh, going back to the Crutchan years. Yeah. You know what? I went to Ottawa uh, to cover the trial of Vice Admiral Mark Norman. And the day I chose to go to Ottawa, coincidentally, was the day the Crown dropped the charges, and it was a most unusual, and I would put it, legally embarrassing dropping of the charges because the Crown clearly was tricked and misled by the government. She wasn't given all the facts. I think she should have known better. I think she should have pushed back. But Vice Admiral Mark Norman was put through this whole sham trial, and I, and I think the prosecutor was too much in collusion with the with the. PMO. But finally, they did the right thing and let him go. I can only imagine the bunker mentality of the prime minister's office and the defense minister's office to agree to go to war against an honest soldier like that. You've got you've to make your heart cold as ice 
to go to smear a good man and to take on real soldiers, maybe they, maybe they actually hate soldiers. Now, I know I'm just trying to psychologically wrap my head around, why would you do this? Like you, like, I mean, just, let me give me one more example, Lee. I'm sorry I'm rambling a bit here, but I just, who would cut, like, y- y- you cut a perk, maybe, if you're in cutting mode, but cutting hospitals? Do you remember that tweet that Justin Trudeau did a while back to a U.S. late-night talk show comedian named Trevor yeah. Noah, where he said, hey, how does $50 million sound? And he just chucked $50 million bucks to some late-night comedian in a tweet for a moment of, I'm cool, 50 million for that crap. And you're clawing back surgery and, and, and healthcare for soldiers. I, I, I'm, I don't even know what to say, Lee. Yeah, it, it, it's bizarre. I mean, in, in the late 90s, to save money, the, the forces were reduced massively in size and in budget. And, and one of the things they did was they farmed out health care and they limited the number of medical personnel in the military to those capable of deploying. They did the same thing in the combat arms. And so we were at bare bones. And, and one of the reasons they, they pay a higher fee uh, to the out-of-province level was to ensure that the military had really good access to medical care in the civilian system uh, because typically military people were coming in with complex issues and the military needed those folks back as quickly as possible because literally they cut us down to the bone. And the minute you reduce those rates and we just become another person in the queue, uh, you're not going to meet your deployment uh, numbers yeah. and so suddenly you have a hollowed out military again but seriously this is Justin Trudeau yeah. his father was no different yeah. he hollowed out the Canadian military Jean Chrétien did it again and just as it was being built up again we switched back to Trudeau and we began the promise everything 10 years from now make it all sound nice on paper and do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, It's a great point. In the short term, the troops get Yeah. You know, you made me think because, of course, uh, many military positions are very physical uh, positions and dangerous positions. If someone is injured, you need them treated right away. You you can't put them in a six, eight, 12 month waiting list. I mean, that that's absurd. And and but that's fine for Trudeau. I mean, he himself would never have to wait in line. You know, you made me think you you talk about cutting to the bone and hollowing out. Um, I was shocked to learn that what I think, I mean, I'm not look, I, I I've never been a part of the the military, but it seems to me that our Canadian version of the Top Gun flight training uh, called Maple Flag, where allied air forces come and it's practicing. This is something that we've been doing in Canada for about 40 years. And it just seems not only so essential to keeping our, our pilots sharp, but in working alongside our allies, that was, if you're cutting our version of the Top Gun flight training school, where we work, I mean, if you're cutting that deep to the bone, I mean, that, then it does, I guess it doesn't surprise me you're also cutting health care. Maybe we should have Trevor Noah, that comedian, come up and, you know, enlist in our armed forces. And, uh, and maybe then Trudeau, maybe have a bunch of cool influencers. Uh, maybe Trudeau would care then. I don't even know what to do. 
is this going to resonate in the election? I don't think the media cares. I mean, Mercedes Stevenson, give her credit, but I think the CBC, they sort of hate the military too. Yeah, it, it certainly hasn't uh hit the mainstream, if you will, in the in the two networks that have uh, half-hour updates, uh, CBC and CTV. And I have to admit, this election, um, whereas the last election, it, you know, there, there was a fight over whether veterans were being treated properly, there was a bit of a fight over the military. Uh, other than Andrew Scheer um, doing one event where he rolled out his military slash veterans uh, platform, um, it, it's not been a topic of conversation. Uh, last election, I was doing media almost on a daily basis. This election, I, I missed a, a media request from you uh, due to time zones, and I've got this one. Other than that, it's been really slim pickings. Huh. So, you know, I'm truly hoping, my tweet today about this was, you know, we're a tiny group, and without the public who, who claim to support their, their Canadian forces and, and veterans, we will not get movement on an issue like this. So unless the Canadian public turns this into an issue and reaches out to their candidates uh, and says, what about this? It's not going to be an issue. You know, that makes me very sad. I'm thinking of, play, I've had the good fortune to travel to almost every part of Canada. And I noticed the military presence. I've, I've referred to a few Ontario military bases. Halifax is a very military town. And, mm -hmm. and St. John's, the whole province, certainly has a military history. It was a real tradition, especially on the Navy side. So there are parts of this country, Lee, that are liberal and military, like Halifax, St. John's. Ontario. I, I'd have to rem remember where the Esquimalt and other BC bases, what ridings they're on, but I, I bet there's liberals out there too. So you would think that the local MPs, just from dealing with military families, would, would have a dog in this fight. So it's not just conservative places like Cold Lake or whatever. Are, are there any MPs in the Liberal Party, putting aside Harjit Sajjan, are there any MPs or candidates in the Liberals that you know of that have a reputation or a connection to the military? Anyone, anyone from some of these places I've just listed? No. Unfortunately, even the, the veterans that are still in the Liberal Party, of, of which there's uh, uh, seven or eight, um, downplay that and avoid those topics because at the end of the day, you know, this is a top-down government. This is a Trudeau-inspired government and they all go along to get along with Trudeau to maintain their own power. So the only the only person I saw willing to stand up for the military was uh, retired General Leslie, uh, who was- He's drummed you know, out utterly, now. He's been yeah, thrown out. And, and he's on his way out. The only way he could stand up and stand, you know, on his principles were to announce that he was leaving uh, politics. You know, and, I remember that. So that was the interesting same time I was at the court for uh, Vice Admiral uh, Norman. That's when uh, that's when Leslie made his move and said, "I just can't stand by this anymore." Yeah, but you're not seeing that from any of the others. And I mean, seriously, Sajin is an Afghan veteran. If anybody was going to stand up and say <clears throat> enough. It would be him. He's a modern veteran that that served in uh, an operational theater at least twice, 
uh, and and he has been kowtowed completely. Vance, who was uh, considered an extremely strong commander when he was in Afghanistan, uh, a, a commander for the troops, if you will, he is completely cowed by uh, Trudeau and by the PMO and and those and and you saw that in the uh, in the secret memorial. Uh, right, that they, was crazy. It, that, that was insane. It was absolutely insane. I, I, the first person that called me about that was the father of, of a uh, fallen soldier, um, incensed at, at what he had done. And he was marching down to, uh, to Kent Hare's riding to, to give it to him uh, about why this was happening. Uh, but again, it, nothing changes. And, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Trudeau uh, runs that uh, runs that shop uh, with an iron fist, and until he is gone, nothing will change. Yeah, you know, for almost ten years now, I've had a tradition on Remembrance Day. I read the same poem every year. It's called Tommy Atkins by Rudyard Kipling. Yeah, and the theme of it, for those viewers who don't know it by now, because I do it every year, is that everyone loves a soldier when we're in trouble. Uh, but the rest of the time, they're forgotten, they're thrown away, and the rest of us are cheapskates. And I say that on Remembrance Day because my point is, there's another 364 days a year. Can we, frankly, I would rather have the care of those 364 days than on the one day of Remembrance Day. I don't mean to, dis, I'm not reducing or diminishing Remembrance Day at all, but that's just become a, a rote custom. I wish that we, gave a damn the other 364 days here. And I know that if Trudeau wins again, he'll lay a wreath on November 11th and he'll probably get those tears in his eyes and whatever. But then he'll go right back to cutting these expenditures and hiding the memorial. It makes me very mad. And I always choke up a little bit, frankly, with tears when I read that poem because that was written over 100 years ago and it's bloody well true today. Last word to you, Lee. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. I, I've read the poem many a time and, and uh, most soldiers feel exactly like uh like that young british soldier uh it, that's mentioned in the poem yeah um but i have faith i really do i have faith in our citizens that they love their military that they respect their military they respect veterans all year long while they may not be at the top of mind all year long they do respect what we've done for the country and i'm truly hoping they'll show us that when they go out and vote. I know there's many issues that that are are more important to them, but at the end of the day, you know, when someone disrespects an entity that you you love and care about and respect, you need to stand up. And we don't like racism. Trudeau pulled a racist move. We don't like sexism. He's pulled sexist moves. We love our military and we support our veterans. He doesn't seem to give a crap about us. Yeah. So there's lots of reasons to to vote for another party, for somebody else to lead this country that that will show respect to people of color, will show respect to women, and will show respect to our serving men and women and our veterans. Yeah, well said. Well, great to have you on the show. You're welcome anytime. And I thank you because, of course, you bring a great personal experience in history, and you yourself have been an advocate for vets uh, in a way that I wish there were many more people like you. And I know you do inspire our viewers. So I thank you for that. Lee, it's great to see you again. 
you as well, Ezra, anytime. Right on. There you have it, Lee Humphrey, who's the founder of James International Security, and he also founded the group Veterans for the Conservative Party, telling it like it is, as he always does. Stay with us. More ahead on The Rebel. Hey, what did you think about that story of Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau? Almost identical tweets. I mean, they really could be interchanged and no one would have known the difference. Um, I don't know if it's Merry Christmas or if it's Easter, Happy Easter or whatever. You can expect meaningless, you know, ceremonial tweets on the same day. But both of them tweeting in support of some Antifa thug. Why? Because he was hassling a Bernier event? Is that why Scheer did it? Or why? Because Scheer doesn't want to seem to be anti-Syrian or something. It wasn't a Syrian thing. It was a, a thug screaming at an 81-year-old lady. He was standing by while his colleagues screamed. I, I what's going on over there in the Conservative Party war room? I just don't understand it. Let me know if you think I'm wrong on this one. All right, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.